0: Hello, everyone. My name is Joanne Lockwood, and I am the host of the Inclusion Bytes podcast. In this series, I will be interviewing a number of amazing people and simply having a conversation around the subject of inclusion, belonging, and generally making the world a better place for everyone to thrive in. If you'd like to join me in the future and be a guest, then please do drop me a line to joe.lockwood at You'll also be able to catch up with all of the shows on iTunes, Spotify, and all of the usual places. So plug in your headphones, grab a decaf, and let's get going. Today's episode is episode two, with the title, Embracing Diversity and Inclusion as a Small Business Owner. And I have the absolute honor and privilege to be joined by my friend, Katie Neves. I first met Katie at a True Inclusion event last summer in London but we've been online business associates for much longer. Katie's a photographer and she also runs a speaking business and advocacy called Call to be Trans. So earlier I asked Katie to describe her superpower and she said being able to connect with people, be very honest, and to be able to get her passion across. Isn't that amazing? So hello, Katie.
1: How are you? Mm -hmm. Hello, Joe. Thanks very much for inviting me on podcast number two. Whoop, whoop. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Exciting.
0: So tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, what What is your business? What
1: do you do? Right. Well, I basically, um, I've been a photographer and filmmaker for uh, 33 years. Um, but two years ago, I came out very publicly as being transgender after living for 48 years as a man. So I now have a new business as a trans ambassador, which runs alongside my photography business. So I help companies um, with their diversity and inclusion by doing trans awareness training, public speaking, and media appearances. But I'm still doing the photography as well. So I've got I've got those two things on the go. Um, uh, But they fulfil both of my passions. So I'm passionate about photography and video, and I'm passionate about helping people um, with their diversity and inclusion. Um, particularly, I think in, with, with, with trans, I think what I find is that a lot of a lot of trans people don't know that it's okay to be trans, and mm. as you know, it really is. <laughs> it really is. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> but, but so many people, so many trans people, don't know that. And so I want to try and, if I can, lead by example and just show people that you know, I'm I'm happy. I'm I'm so much happier as I am now, um, and um, you yeah, know, yeah, life's good. Yeah, so you must have had a, a dilemma those two or three
0: years ago about your business, uh, how people would accept you and the world was ready for a Katie like you, or whether you'd uh you'd find your business falling apart. I mean, how have you found the world to be in the last couple of years?
1: Uh, it's been an interesting couple of years. I say it's been, but good though. It's good. On the whole, good. Um I've had Had some challenges along the way. I mean, the first challenge was the name of my photography business was and still is named after my old male name, which is Martin. So it's called Martin Neves Photography and Film. Now things when uh, when I was about to come out, the uh, you know it had been an established brand for 22 years then, and I felt that I didn't want to change the name of the business um, because I could have changed it to Katie Neves Photography and Film. But then I I thought, well. Nobody would know who I was. So I thought I had to keep the name of the business the same. Otherwise it'd be starting like starting from scratch. So I thought the only way I could do it was to come out very openly and very honestly as, as being transgender and continue to do that to this day, which, which I am. So I thought the only thing to do is just to, to be very open and honest and be big, bold and out there. So what, so what I did, I um, made a coming out video and i sent that to all my clients and i put it on all my social media um and then sat back and you know worried <laughs> yeah i didn't know what the reaction would be i was i was absolutely bricking it joe i yeah. say, <laughs> yeah it was technical it was
0: term. technical term
1: absolutely it was just i really didn't know because everything right. was riding on my whole livelihood my reputation everything was resting on the reaction to that video i was so worried um, but what happens? I, I I I put it. The first social media I put it out on was Facebook, and I remember my finger hovering over the mouse, very nervously thinking, as soon as I make that click, my life will never be the same again. But and, anyway, I, I made the click, and then I, and then I waited. And, but then I had a job that I had to go out on, and I went out on this job. I remember very clearly now. I, my mind wasn't on the job at all. I just I just wanted to get it done as quickly as possible. The client was very happy with the pictures, and everything but. I couldn't wait to get back just to see what's happening on Facebook. And I tell you, I needn't have worried because when I got back, I was inundated with literally hundreds of messages um, of support. It, it was amazing. I, I felt so loved. I really did. And it, and it went from being something that was um, something that I was absolutely dreading to, mm. to be one of the most uplifting experiences of my life. It was absolutely incredible. Um, and, and I was yeah as as well as being um inundated with messages of support from from friends and from clients i was also uh, I also had a lot of messages from other trans people saying that they'd been struggling with it, but what I'd said had really helped and and they thanked me for it so that really spurred me on you know it's it's been been incredible um but say this, you're asking about the the reaction from from clients mm. and i had I had a variety of i have lost some clients through it um and i expected that i would because the problem is that as a photographer um i haven't got any long-term um you know contracts it's all short-term stuff so people phone up on freelancing freelancing you know, people phone up they need a, they want a job doing uh, I quote for it if they find it acceptable i do it and that's it and then it's on to the next one hmm. um and so if they've got a problem with it then they just don't ring me. The, the phone stops ringing. Um, so I felt very vulnerable, to be honest. Um, you know, I had no laws of discrimination. You know, if you work for a company, you, you know, you, you can't be discriminated. Well, you can be, but you get, you get taken to a tribunal if you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You're, you're protected. I had no protection at all. So a bit, running a small business and, and coming out as trans, very, very challenging. Very, yeah. um, so yeah, I have lost some clients, but, in the main, most of them have been very good and, and supportive. And I've had some that have been really good. And I think some of them, actually, I might have actually had a little bit of positive discrimination. So I think I might have ticked a few boxes for them. And I think, well, actually, I'll take that because I've lost a few. So <laughs> I'll yeah. take that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've, i found, um, I have had a few issues in, so I do quite a bit of business networking and stuff as well. And, and I have run into a few issues with some people there as well. I think the, some people just didn't want to hear about my trans stuff. They just wanted to hear about my photography stuff. Um So, yeah, I have had a few problems like that. And, and you get some people who just – they don't want to know about anything about diversity, and they just say, oh, oh I'm old school. Well, I'm sorry. They, they need to – Old school. They do. That's what I've had that said to me. I, I'm old school. And, you know, they, they, they say that after they've just misgendered me, and I think, oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> get real. <laughs> yeah. Um But in the main, I think because I've approached it how I have and I've I've approached it very head-on and being very open, and i said to people, I've cut people quite a lot of slack, the people who have known me as Martin for years, I know that they're going to slip up from time to time and they're going to call me Martin sometimes or they're going to say he and him. And I I don't mind if I – because I know the people who are supportive and the people who are not. So I, I know if it's somebody who is supportive and they normally get it right, and they just slip up. Mm. It's not a big deal at all. I'm not offended in the slightest. And, and they beat themselves up about it. I don't beat them up. I just sort of say, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> they just, you know, just apologize and move on. But I know they're beating themselves up about it. But, I also know the people who aren't supportive and the people that deliberately misgender me. And then that's abuse and I won't stand for that. <laughs> so, mm. But you know, don't you? you know, the
0: people oh, yeah. Who... yeah. I, I, I have a very similar outlook on life that I kind of categorize people into several boxes. One box being you've known me for 30, 40 years. Yeah. It's difficult. And I know it's difficult and yeah. you, you can't, you can't bully people. You have to work with them and educate them. And, uh, yeah. and Give them time, as you say, cut them some slack. And then there's other people who have only known me as Joe, and I. That's where I get more frustrated. Where people have only known me as me, uh, and they're lazy, or they don't make the effort, or or randomly <laughs> they just get it wrong, and that, that's a bit more frustrating.
1: I I, I find exactly the same, yeah. Because because generally the people the new friends, the people who have only known me as Katie, you know tend not to get it wrong. Yeah. But then when they do, it does hurt, doesn't it? <laughs> mm. well, it's confusing. It's like well so
0: so where did that come from and and they go i don't know it just it just came out sorry and it's like and he i've i mean the previous podcast episode one i talked to dr linda shaw about this about how the brain and the heuristics and the biases kick in and and how simple um reptilian fast brain stuff kicks in and and, and you can't always control it so yeah it's, it's strange i suppose i get mostly frustrated by service providers so someone who's working in a shop a restaurant um airport check-in trains, where where people are paid and their role is customer service. That's where I get most frustrated because I would like to think that they're investing in the initiatives that make the train train. Okay, just at your I find often people like to not Either educated or they're just a bit lazy beyond what they should be. So those are the people I tend to get most frustrated with. Yeah, you know, ordering mm-hmm. coffee in Starbucks or Costa or one of the concessions on Waterloo Station, and you get, a, "What do you want, mate?" Or you are "So think, oh, Come on, merely. Oh. I've, I've had a long day. Can I just go home without you mm-hmm. adding to my burden? You know.
1: Yeah. Exa- exactly. Exactly. It's just yeah. Um, well I had um, I did a, a job recently a photography job, and uh, it was on a building site. And the, um, the client was, was, was actually there. It's a developer and he was there. And, uh, it's funny when he, when he phoned me, he found me, he found my website. Of course it's got Martin News photography all over it, but it's got a bit about me. It's got a picture of me and it says, I'm Katie and, 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 and explains all about my transition and things. I'm very open about it. And so he, he phoned me to get me to quote for this job and he subsequently booked me for the job. And then when he was on the phone, he said, said, uh, oh, so he hadn't read it all properly. He said, so, so who's Martin then? So I said, oh, I used to be Martin. I used to be called Martin, but I'm in transition. And he said, oh, right. Okay. And, you know, I, I assumed just he accepted it. Fine. Yeah. Anyway, I, I then got the job and I went out on the building site to do this, this, this job. Um, and all the builders that, that I spoke to him, they, they were fine. And, you know, they clearly, Saw me as, as as the real me, and you know, they, you know, they, so calling me my dear and everything, and you yeah, know, it's fine. Yeah, um, but then at one point when he was talking, we were talking as a group, and 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 there some builders there, and then him and me, and then he referred to me as he and him. I thought, where did that come from? And I, so I just corrected him. So she, and then after that, he couldn't actually bring himself to say she or her. He was he was just. Saying Katie the whole time, so he, he he couldn't couldn't get the pronoun. I thought, well, okay, well, that's... That <laughs> so I don't know whether that was him just not yeah. accepting me as, as female, but I, I don't know. But it just seemed a bit odd that he couldn't actually bring himself to say her or she. It, yeah, I but, find some people it's easier to use your name, and and
0: yeah. and I say this to people when I'm training that if you if you're not sure you're not comfortable, just use someone's name all the time because. If they mm. say that's their name you can't get it wrong uh mm. uh so that is often the best way out if you're if you're yeah. you're if you're worried about making a step up just stick to the name
1: yeah or or even just just go for for, for they them because that that covers yeah. that covers everyone <laughs> you can't get it wrong that way can yeah. you
0: no not at all no well there's some people do question the use of uh a singular they them but we all know the, the challenge with that as well but yeah, yeah so see you must have had a as you said just now, you had this big dilemma. You obviously planned that you were going to do what you had to do and you mm-hmm. picked a date. So how many times maybe in the last year before that had, had you had that go-no-go no, go situation? Or was this kind of – this was the first attempt at, at doing it or you, had you backed off before? It
1: was actually the first
0: attempt at doing it, yeah.
1: yeah. No, I, it, it, Yeah, I did it all pretty much to plan. The, yeah, it's, it's funny actually because I, I did it. It was in um, – I, I only admitted to myself that I've changed. I mean, I've, I've had gender dysphoria all my life, and uh, previously considered myself as a cross dresser. Um, so that was right up until um, what was it? Op- yeah, October, November, two thousand and seventeen, when my gender dysphoria just went through the roof. I wasn't expecting oh. it to do it at all, um, but it just went through the roof, and then I just didn't know what gender I was at all. <clears throat> and then after that the whole journey of discovery. And then went up to, uh, it was January, yeah, January the 11th, 2018. That's when I admitted to myself that I was trans. And then it was, um, then like, full in my head, right, I'd missed myself. I need to do something about it. And then I just started planning for it. And because of some of the work that I had in, some of the weddings that I was photographing particularly, that was the, that was the main concern. Uh, I wanted to start living full-time as female from early September. And that's exactly what happened. It was September the second, that uh, 2018 that I started living full time as female. But what I did do, I came out to everyone earlier. I came out on the 26th of April, uh, 2018. So I had quite a few months in between, and that was really really awkward. If I had the time again, I wouldn't come out as early. Um, but I, what I did, I did a straw poll of, my, of quite a lot of my trans friends to say, say, well, look, you know, I'm planning on coming out in September. Uh, sorry, just going full full time in September. Should I come out earlier? Should I come out now? Or should I wait till a a few weeks before? Mm -hmm. Because The original plan was to come out just a few weeks before and then just get get straight into it. And pretty much unanimously they said, no, um, come out earlier, come out now sooner rather than later, give people time to get their heads around it. So, um, so I thought, okay, so I did. So say 26th of April, that's when I came out. But, people actually got their heads around it a lot quicker than I gave them credit for. And then I found that they started getting impatient with me because I. what was happening is I was living that double life where yeah. people knew that I was trans. I'd come out as trans. They knew my my female name was Katie. So, But uh, uh, business networking and, and on jobs, I was still presenting as male. So it was a very, very confusing time all round. And so I was getting a lot of people were was well, some people were calling me Martin, some people were calling me Katie, some people were calling me Matey. <laughs> and and I, I and I had a lot of um hello, uh you. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't know what to call me. It was a very confusing time for them, bless them. <laughs> um, oh, I love Matey. I think Matey's fantastic, isn't it? That's really yeah, I had a lot cool. of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Maybe I never was at all. Um, I had a similar experience because I, I, I defined, I called it transitioning in chunks. So I basically picked things off that I was doing and sort of transitioned in those roles. Uh, and it became the point where I got to a tipping point where most of me was Joe, and the and the rest of me was sort of like just the dreg. Well, actually, the dregs was my major employment. Um, yeah, and I, I found that personally quite tricky, and also for the people who knew both sides of me, that was also tricky for them. And I kind of had to explain to them well, if you can't see me and you can't tell, call me my old name. If you could see me and it looks like I'm I, if I look like Joe and, and dress like Joe, then call me Joe. If you can't tell, call me the old name. And that's kind of the way I, I worked it. But yeah I, I would I would certainly I, I just believe I think with hindsight ripping the plaster off and jumping off, jumping th- yeah all in as quick as you can is is, is for for me would have, with hindsight would have been a better way of doing it
1: i would have definitely delayed I, I wouldn't have come out if i did it again i wouldn't come out as early as as, as april i i think going going full time in early september i would have maybe come out in august yeah, yeah. I'd say that i think that would be i think that would have been the right time frame um, what, was,
0: what was the difference in your life between April and September? Then, what was the what was that lag? What was the, What was the hold off?
1: Uh, what that was was that it was the weddings. The wedding side of my business that I was worried about. Um, the weddings was where I felt most vulnerable, to be honest, because at weddings you get all sorts of people there, from very young to very old. And in my experience, it tends it tends to be the older people who have trouble getting their heads around this mm. um, and understanding it. and so, whereas I think the younger people generally accept it a lot more readily than, than, than older people. Um, so I was really worried about that. And I was worried also at weddings. So as well as, you know, you could have, you could have, you know, bigoted old aunts and uncles. There, yeah. As well as that, you can have the, the, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of booze, isn't there, at, at weddings? And not just that, it's free booze. So free booze and bigots is not a great um, recipe set. So I just thought, well, that's where I felt my most vulnerable. So I thought, well, I had a load of weddings that were booked up to then and I'd already made a decision that, because I don't just do weddings, I do a lot of commercial photography It was mainly, you know, corporate photography and videography and that sort of thing. Um, but the weddings were about third of my income mm. um i would already decided I, I used to do lots of wedding fairs so it's like nearly every sunday i was off doing a wedding fair and so you, but it, wedding fairs are very competitive I mean, there are just so many photographers around and they they can book loads of photographers in at the wedding fairs so you know you go to even the smallest wedding fair you'd have four photographers there and the larger ones you'd have like 10 or something you know, and they're so competitive and and where i'm i'm sort of aimed more at the mid to top end of the market anyway. So already a lot of my market isn't there because a lot of people that go to wedding fairs, they're, they're looking for a bargain. They're, they just want something cheap. And so I'm not, you know, they're not in my market anyway. So, um, so already I, you know, I'm, I'm limiting myself, but then I, I just felt really uneasy, particularly if, mainly because of my voice. Um, yeah. Because what I didn't want, you know, often you can grab, hold a bit, or you can call people over just to get their attention. Because you have to be super confident when you're when you're doing these wedding fairs, mm-hmm. and I wasn't confident, particularly with my voice. Now, my voice hasn't—it's lightened a bit from what it was, but it hasn't lightened that much. I know I still sound like a bloke. Um, now, when people see me in person, that's not so bad. But on the phone, I just get misgendered all the time. But I just find that I, I, I found at, at a wedding fair, I just I wasn't confident enough to be able to stand there because the thing, if I called someone over, if I grabbed someone, they might hear my voice, but they're not see me straight away. And then they see me standing there in front of the banner saying, Martin needs photography and film. And I just thought, I, I'm just loading the dice against me. Cause I thought, well, right. even though the young couples might be okay with me being trans, they probably would be most, most I think would be, um, apart from some that may be you know, very religious, they, they, they might not because, you know, well, a lot of those aren't. Um, I just thought they just might think, well, what about you know, our guests? And what guests are we inviting? And we've got a load, yeah. load of elderly ones. If they know that some of them are a bit outspoken or a bit bigoted, they might just feel a bit awkward about booking a trans photographer because they might think, well, you know, is it a problem that we just needn't have? And it, it just might be easier to book a, a, a non-trans photographer. So – yeah, that's something you say that.
0: Um I, I've i experienced that in my life where the person you're talking to is kind of, I'm okay with you. I've got, I haven't got a problem with you. You, you, you. Whoever you are, you're fine. But I'm worried about what other people will think. And what they're saying is I'm worried what other people will think of me if I introduce you. And I'm worried yeah. that they're going to be dangerous. And so therefore, I'd rather not take a risk. Yeah. So I'll go somewhere else. And that's kind of... This bias by proxy—you're almost imprinting your biases onto somebody else and assuming the
1: worst. Absolutely, yeah, and and I think I've had that with my commercial work as well. I've had—I've definitely lost some work because of that, definitely. Mm. Uh, but but with the weddings, I just decided to preempt it, and so I just thought, well. I'm just gonna take the hit and so I stopped doing the wedding fest and consequently my, my, the income from the wedding side of my business has dropped massively. So I so I don't do that many now. Um, so I just do, do the ones where people are recommended and they know that I can do a good job and they, I get recommended and they're fine and, and I just do it. But I did have a, an interesting one actually that over the time of my transition where I photographed the, the, the wedding ceremony as Martin and the reception as Katie. So, I probably ought to expand on that a bit. Because yeah. I, they, they weren't on the same day. They, they were months apart. Um, it, was, it was a couple that uh, they actually got married in secret. Um, and there were only four people there, including the couple, well, it was four people plus me and a videographer. <laughs> so they just got married at a registry office, and then they had the two witnesses, and then went off just for for photo shoot. So that that was in that was in April two thousand and eighteen. So that was just a few weeks just before I came out. But then their their um, reception was in late August. It was the late August bank holiday in two thousand and eighteen. So it was those few months. So. So I photographed I the, the wedding ceremony, then I came out. And the couple were brilliant. They were so supportive of me. They, they were brilliant. They were sort of following me all the way through. It was great. And they, though their wedding reception was just before I was going to be living full-time as female, because originally I was planning to do that as Martin, I because a whole load that I had lined up, that was going to be as, as Martin. And I was just going to do that and just do that and put it to bed that's it yeah. but they were so supportive they really encouraged me they said oh yeah, we'd really like you to do it with Katie and uh, and I didn't know whether I'd be able to and I said oh, I don't know I was really nervous yeah. and, um, and, in, and I said I'm going to have to leave it to the last minute to decide whether I can do it or not But I did it and I'm so glad I did because they were brilliant and I didn't have any problems at all. And the majority of of the sort of style of photography that I do at weddings is reportage. So it's very natural documentary photography, a lot of candid photography because I see it is so much nicer and it brings out the the characters of people. Also, it's less intrusive on the wedding. So that was what the majority of it. So the majority of the time people didn't, most people didn't hear me speaking you know loudly anyway so so that wasn't a problem but the only problem was that they did want a few group shots which most couples do of course with those yeah. i had to project my voice and of course yes yeah. you know, so there's one thing you know talking in a more feminine voice anyway there's another thing actually projecting your voice doing it. it's really hard I mean, it's, yeah, it's you know that. <laughs> it's, it's hard isn't it so i was i was just so conscious of it I was so worried, but I tell you what—I didn't have a single problem. It was yeah. just brilliant, and the, it was just—it was a lovely wedding. It was, and I'm so glad I did it. And it was a real confidence booster. Um, so, so this was
0: two years ago, and all these anxieties, all these apprehensions. So the voice was a big deal. You, yeah, you, yeah. What we were going to say? So, looking back to two-year-old self, 2 year old, two year old, old self, um, what advice would you give yourself? I mean, what have you learned over those two years?
1: I think I'd, um, I'd tell myself to not worry so much. Um, because actually, I, I'm, I remember the first time, yeah, apart from that wedding, but the first time I went out on a commercial job and started living full time as Katie and just, just, you know, just going out on a job in a dress. I was just like, Oh God, yeah, what, what, what are people going to say? What? <laughs> and it's like, well, without exception, people yeah. have just treated me with the utmost respect and as the professional that I am and that I, I'm there as a photographer and, and I know I can do a good job. I'm confident with what I do. And I think the more I've done it, the more confident I've got. And I just go in there and I don't even think about it now. This is me. This is the real me. I just go in and um, do my stuff. And, and I, think, I think a lot of it is what you portray, what you project comes back at you. If yeah. you go in there all nervous with your head down or looking over your shoulder and I've got any funny looks and what people are saying, and then you, you make yourself a victim and and you were, you were trapped that sort of thing, um, but because now you know I'm just like really confident and don't even don't even think about it. That comes back to me. It's great. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now I I completely agree, and that, that's kind of what I learned over the last few years as well. That if you go into the world with a smile, the world smiles back. If you go into with yeah. a frown, the world frowns back. So yeah, treat people as as you want to be treated sort of thing, and it, in a way where. Open your heart, open your arms to people, and, and they they embrace you. And I, I think that's not just trans people, but all people. If you go in with a hmm. you know a person not 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 less of a dick because they're trans, if you like, you know, being being trans doesn't make you less of a dick. If you're a dick, you're a dick. And yeah, exactly. I think if you, uh, if you if you approach the world with anger and aggression, then it, you get it back. So yeah, oh, I'm I, with you on yeah. that. So you yeah. you kind of. Uh, not bothered so much about your voice. I mean, you can tell. I, I I decided not to bother because it's kind of my voice. I kind of like it, so why worry about it?
1: Yeah, I I have done some work with it, um, but I haven't done as much as perhaps I should do. And I think I think it's the same sort of thing. Like you, you know, you you, you, you know, you've got a business, public speaking. When you're when you're doing a lot of speaking, you're, you're thinking about what you're saying rather yeah. than how. You how you, yeah, and, and and that is more important. And I think and I've got to the point where thinking, well, actually, this whole journey is about authenticity, and this is my authentic voice. I, I'm, I'm not putting on an act for anybody. But having said that, I know that if I do put more of an effort in, then it will just make my life easier in certain circumstances. Mm. So I do want to still do a bit more work with it. Um, and if I, I mean, if I just take, take my voice back to how it used to be, I'll try and do it. Hang on. Yeah. Okay. It was down there. That was, that, that was how I used to speak. So that was, that was my normal voice as Martin. So I was talking very much from my chest just down there. So, um, whereas I'm talking much more now from my head. So it's subtle, but it's, it's gone up a bit. Mm. Still got some more work to do with it, I know. Um, but that's, that's where I am at the moment. But I think it's better to do it as a gradual thing. I think I tried, I mean, I had a bit of voice coaching you know, to begin with, and then didn't do as much work with it as as perhaps I should do. Um, and I sort of settled at this for the time being, but I think if I can gradually just eke it up a little bit, then I think that will, that'll help. Um, and I think it's better. I struggle
0: with is coughing or, or sneezing. It's it's hard to disguise a cough or sneeze, isn't it? And
1: laughing as well. Yeah. Um, Laughing
0: is just a natural thing. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's really hard, isn't it? Yeah. I, 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 I've stopped worrying about the phone. If someone misgenders me on the phone, I kind of just, I, I pick my moments. Sometimes I'll say, I'll correct them. Sometimes I think if I'm friending a, if I'm friending a garage to have my MOT booked in, they, they call me geez or a mate or something. I think I can't be bothered with this. I just, it doesn't matter. It's not, it's not important. Just whatever. I'll see you tomorrow. You can pick the car up. Then I arrive, give them the keys and pick it up later. Yeah. Yeah, so certain battles that are just not worth playing with you just, mm. just whatever. And it's, it's funny. Fine. And it's yeah.
1: funny, I, I try the, the, the times that I try more. <laughs> one say like when I'm just picking the phone up, and I don't know who, don't know who's calling. So I'll, that's when I'll try. I'll start off with a hi, Katie Nees, hello, and I'm and I'm up there a bit more <laughs> trying yeah. to get, trying up there. And then when I hear who it is, if it's somebody who knows me, then I relax a bit more and and th- drop th- a couple th- of octaves. Hello yeah I'll just go right down there,
0: yeah. <laughs> going in the chest
1: yeah, okay. no. so yeah, so, so I try more than and and so like if I'm in a shop or somewhere, somewhere where i'm not going be I'm not going to be coming out to them and telling them that I'm trans and, and yeah I've got no intention of doing that It's a short short conversation, then I'll try more then actually, whereas most of the time say like if i'm if I'm out networking or whatever uh, or, or if I'm doing presentation, well, most of the time people know that I'm trans because I'm there talking about it. I'm yeah. doing, a, doing a trans awareness training workshop or whatever. So they know that I'm doing that. Or yeah, if I'm promoting cool to be trans, you know, I, I'm, 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 i I have to come out in the process of telling them about the business. So, mm. you know, it doesn't work. Does it? It's part, yeah. it's part of
0: the authenticity of what you're doing, isn't it?
1: It is. And I find that what, you know, once I've told them that takes the pressure off me with my voice, and it's a bit of a cop out. It's a bit of a cop out, really, isn't it? But it works. <laughs>
0: I mean, I, yeah, similar. I, I mean, I've had, I do a lot of big stage speaking around uh, trans inclusion and diversity. Yeah. Uh, so I, I remember being in, uh, I was in Berlin on a stage there. There's sort of six or 700 people in the audience, and I deliberately Hold back for a few seconds before I start talking. Just so the the audience look at me; they get a visual identity of who I am, and then I speak. And I actually had people come in anyone to come up to me, afterwards was going, "Wow, that completely completely blew my mind. You, you, where where did that voice come from?" Sort of thing. It was kind of a everyone's kind of, but it's a great attention grabber. It's a great way of yeah. bringing people into the room, uh, get their focus. So I, I suppose I, I tend to use it to my advantage uh, yeah. and not be ashamed of it. Now, um, yeah. Oh, well, I'm certainly not ashamed of it uh, yeah, at all, but yeah, I get, yeah. get where you're coming from. I mean, the, the funniest time I remember was, um, I was on a train coming back from Waterloo to Portsmouth mm. and, you know, the old buffet trolley, they push the trolleys down the corridor, don't they? And, uh, normally they go 100 miles an hour. You have to almost like shout at the buffet guy, but said, like, come back here. I wanted one. And it's like, uh, but this guy was kind of like, looking either side. And I said, uh, yeah, black coffee, please. In a, in a very resonating voice. And the whole, the whole carriage sort of like, went, whoa, where did you come from? It's like this big, like, big reveal, because I've just sat there minding my own business. Everyone's minding their own business with their phones. And then kind of this big sort of like, and, and what? You know, kind of, yeah, so what? And then, and then he starts this, singing, I am what I am. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this chap sat next to me. He'd been sat there for like 20 minutes, half an hour. He sat next to me. And as soon as I spoke, he looked at me with horror. And then as soon as the trolley went past, he literally grabbed all his bag and ran down the corridor, looking over his shoulder. So go, <laughs> and then at the end, I could see him at the end of the scene, looking over staring at me. It's like... Oh, I obviously had a bigger effect on him, you know. <laughs> oh, <well. laughs>
1: You've been known to clear railway carriages. <laughs> Fantastic. So, so now I,
0: I, I kind of – I don't play with it. I, I don't do it, but, yeah, I've, I've lost my anxiety about saying, excuse me, can I have a coffee, please? I just I, I just Yeah,
1: I, I still do have a bit of anxiety over that because I, I find that, you know, especially when you know, when you want to project yourself like that, I do find, you know, you, you, you want to grab people's attention – yeah, you know, by doing that, you're outing people. So, so for instance, I I did a wedding a little while ago, and uh, just before doing the the, the group shots, um, I was finding that once organising people, but actually getting the attention of the room. I, at Martin, I always used to sort of say, "Ladies and gentlemen," and you know, did, you know, in a big deep voice, and, and you know, it would cut through. But I just didn't want to do it this time because I thought if I do that, that's just going to out me to everyone there. And then, um, I didn't, I, what I didn't want was to get a, hear a great, um, intake of breath from all the guests. I, I just, that would, that, that would just, uh, that would be, that I'd be mortified by that. So I, I really didn't want that. So I just got the best man just to, 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 to get their attention and then just to direct people where, you know, to where I was. Yeah. And then I, and then, but once, then once I was there, then I was talking to them and directing them, but then, it, it that didn 't seem too bad because I was just I was just telling people where to scan and then yeah, yeah, they obviously yeah. just realized in their own time that I was trans um but that wasn 't so bad, but I just what i didn 't want was for me just to make that big announcement i was so i I do still have that a bit of that worry there so it, i'm sure is it,
0: is it getting less i mean is it is it an anxiety you can manage or is it is it yeah we talk about bringing our whole self to work so you 're still yeah not quite being able to bring your whole self or, or you bring, or or are you bringing the bit of yourself you want to bring and leaving the bit you don't want to bring at home? Is
1: that? I I am. I am bringing my whole self there. I think it's just, it's it's purely over that bit, just getting people's attention initially that I didn't in that situation. It's okay. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a problem, you know, if people were there and they knew they were there to be photographed. But yeah. just, just in that situation, I just didn't want to to, to be making that big announcement. Yeah. That was the only that was the only thing that I didn't want to do because it's different if it, if it's a, um, a trans awareness training thing because they all know that I'm trans anyway. But yeah. in that, it was just in that particular situation, I didn't want to to, to do to get their attention. But once I, once their attention had been got, then I talked to them. Mm. No problem at all. So, so it's, it's just it's definitely a takeaway for some of the
0: people listening to this podcast is that if they, if they have trans people in their workplace or they have you no know, people who are going to transition, they need to be kind of conscious of the anxieties that may be gone in that person's head and some of the oh, barriers right. they face on a daily basis and how That's you as an organization can maybe, um, make that, that life easier, uh, yeah. through those
1: anxieties. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there are so many, aren't there? I mean, and just, I mean, just, just in, you know, going to work and address for the first time is—I yeah. mean, it's hard. It's really I, hard. I was consulting with
0: a a big global multinational based in Paris, and they they called me in to help um, advise them on a, a a person at work who was who wanted to transition. And this person had some major anxieties, and they built it up into a point where they they believed the world was going to discriminate against them, regardless mm. of any evidence. But the company was. Was absolutely super supportive. But this person was convinced the security guards were laughing at them behind their back. The people in the canteen mm-hmm. were laughing at them. And I wouldn't quite say it's paranoia, but there's a level of projecting what they were expecting onto people. Yeah. But one of their big anxieties was the toilets. I mean, we all, we all I don't think any trans person ex- exists that hasn't had a toilet conversation with somebody, or at least mm-hmm. been part of the debate. But one of the big challenges they had was they'd never been. Into this particular lady's toilet. Right. And so they, their major anxiety was walking through that door for the first time. Mm. And you don't know what's on the other side of the door. You don't know what maybe the protocols are, what it looks like, where the hand soap is, where the towels are, how the cubicles lock. So if you're trying to just get in, get out, get with your business, that initial bit of anxiety about the protocol and just what's in there can be a bit of a shock. Mm. I mean, I just said to the, um, the HR manager there, well, why don't you allow or invite this person to maybe after hours... You use the toilets feel comfortable and then you wait outside and just say just experience that environment in your own time and yeah. then when they come to use them the next day the anxiety's gone uh, and maybe again out of hours allow them to walk into the building allow them to walk into the lift allow them to feel that relaxation so when they do it live with people around they haven't it's, it's not brand new experience mm. and, and these are a the couple of things I, I often say to companies is by going that extra little bit of mile we you don't even think about as as an issue can really change someone's lives but just by giving them that space to be be themselves so I I remember I don't know if you've if you've had this experience but motorway service stations the first time I think I, I went to a motorway service station you walk in there, and everyone's just kind of milling around, aren't they? You're either doing something or you're sat there waiting for somebody who's doing something. And there's a whole load of people that are milling around in this, in the, in the sort of area between Costa and, and KFC and all that bit. And then the toilets are right dead opposite mm-hmm. you, aren't they? And you walk into the toilets. It's like a chicane. You go in and you turn right and then you're into this unknown space. And you've got absolutely no idea what's going to, what's going to be around the corner. Maybe. It's like, so, discovery? And you get in there and there's this a queue of women and you think, blow What's the protocol? Do I get on the end of the queue? Do I turn a nip around the corner so see if I can find an empty cubicle? Um, how, how, how do I, how, how do I play this game? It's like, ah, so you're standing there trying to think, really nervous. And it's your turn. You think, okay, where do I go? Do I uh, run Quick, quick cubicle lock? Sh- made it. Ah, oh, safe. And think, right, now I've got to come out again. Right, okay. Well, someone says something i not coming out. Wash your hands. Don't look in the mirror. Destroy your hair. Right, out. Ah, oh, survived. And that, that's kind of, I always described the motorist service session toilets as, as my worst anxiety nightmare. Really? Because it, it just, there was just such an unknown, unpredictable, you've no idea what's behind that door experience. What? And, I, and yeah. I just had it in my head that this is going to be a, a flashpoint because you're standing around waiting for the toilet with a whole load of people, women, who yeah. end up chatting to each other or looking at each other, go, oh, uh, we we'll say, said hurry up, you know, that, that, the kind yeah. of conversation you have in the toilets.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, and then my voice, I think, well, I don't have a conversation in here with my voice. <laughs> Uh, my, my other nightmare is walking to the toilets with uh, a female colleague, and she just wants to keep on talking. You know, no. since men walk into a toilet, no one says a word. Do they? It's actually no. empty silence. So ooh, <laughs> we just get in there, do our biz, wash. Well, we didn't wash our hands. We just walk straight out. Yeah, done. It's, it's, it's chatting in and out. You, you have adjacent cubicles. You're talking through the door. You chick, you, you, you I just find it really uncomfortable with my voice having oh. a conversation in a fit in a women's toilet behind a locked door. It's
1: like, I do. I, I, I find it exactly the same. And it's a real eye opener that, yeah, because to say men don't talk to each other in, in the loose, but, but women do all the time. And <laughs> yeah, I, I've, yeah, because it's, it's one thing, when they can see you, it's not a problem, but when they can't see you, it's mm. just like being on the phone, isn't it? So, um, <laughs> I had, um, yeah, I mean, my, my daughter, um, still calls me daddy because I'm proud to be her dad and, and I always will be her dad. Yeah. And, uh, but the only time I ban her from calling me dad or daddy, He's in the ladies lose. And, uh, we had an incident one time when <clears throat> I was in a cubicle and she was just standing outside the door. And, uh, she said, she said, I, I, I was doing business and I heard, heard this, that's no, sorry, There was a couple of women in the cubicles either side of me and I heard this little voice from outside the door saying, um, daddy. And then there was a pause. And it's, oh, Katie. I thought, oh God, it's too late now, isn't it? <laughs> and then, but then it got worse. <clears throat> then she said, um, so I said yes, darling. She said to um, so Daddy, um, "So are you going to start having your periods now?" Then <laughs> I thought, oh, "No, just don't do this to me." So, 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 I, so I just said in my highest voice, "I could no, darling." And then there was a pause, and then it's so. Why is that then? <laughs> so, oh, no. yeah. I'll, I'll talk to you about it later, darling. I'm like, oh yeah. no! Just don't do this to me. So, like, oh god! I, I just wanted the ground to open up and just swallow me up. But I, I couldn't get out of those loo's quick enough. I, <laughs> no, I can imagine.
0: I can imagine that. Uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, one of the issues. I, I mean, one of the problems that I've, I faced recently is um, my wife's office Christmas party. Okay. So I've, I've been out and about transition for three and a bit years now. Mm. The world's known for nearly, well, three and a half years. Mm. And. I've never made my wife's Christmas party before because in the early stages, she didn't know how to approach the subject. She didn't know how to tell her colleagues that, oh, by the way, my husband's trans. And mm-hmm. in case it reflected badly on her, yeah, you know, she's got her own anxieties about how she's of going to be. Yeah. So the first year she took, took my daughter. The second year she took a friend and this, this past Christmas, she took me and only a few of her colleagues knew the full story, right. meaning that she didn't know that well from different offices. There, there were field service companies. So there were people coming from all over the country there. Yeah. Uh, and she started introducing me as her other half. And I, I sort of like nudged her and joked with her and said, well, if you know, going back 20 years, if I'd have introduced you as my other half, how would you have felt? And she went, well, yeah. You know, so you're not proud that I'm your husband. She said, well, I, I didn't really... I don't really think it's easy to introduce you as my husband when you're wearing a dress. I said, that's a, that's a fair point. So that's such a gendered term, isn't it? Yeah. That's the so yeah. we, kind of, we kind of agreed that other half was better than partner because partner implied some other relationship. So we we, we decided to stick with other half. And uh, yeah. But it's very interesting just to watch her coming out, if you like, to people. Mm. Uh, yeah. And me having conversations with their work colleagues. And I remember chatting with one lady around the table, you know, you sit, sit around the table eating your turkey and stuff. And, uh, and three quarters of the way through the conversation, she kind of, I said something about what I do, you know, trans work, trans women's workshops and all this sort thing. She went, are you trans? I went, Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you for not noticing.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's great when that happens, isn't it? It's just, yeah.
2: I, I had I that
0: the other day. She was. <laughs> she was yeah, I, mean, I I well, I, I suppose I have a quite a limiting belief about my voice. So I I kind of just assume that people suss it with my voice. So I don't. I don't. I not I, I, I assume knowledge. the same.
1: Yeah, I assume exactly the same, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I had that the other day. I was at a networking thing, and uh, I was talking to this woman. I'm talking for about ten minutes to begin with, and, and mainly talking about the stuff that she was doing to, to begin with. And then she, then she said, "Also, oh, what do you do? And um, so, so then I just said two, well, well, two things. You know, I'm, I'm a photographer and filmmaker, and I'm also a trans ambassador because um, I'm transgender. And, and then she, the look on her face, she looked so shocked. And, yeah. the, and then she just said, oh, I've got to give you a hug. And she gave me this big hug and then spilled all, all her coffee everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, it's nice, it's nice when that happens, isn't it? Yeah. Right, well, so I mean, let's, let's give our,
0: our listeners something to uh, to more stuff to take away here. So earlier you mentioned about you know you're, you're meeting members of the public, weddings. You've got the there the may be less educated or the less open minded people in a party. You've got people maybe from different generations who have different lived experience that maybe don't understand. Most often, people aren't being deliberately nasty. They're being just they're just lack awareness. So mm. what so what are you, what are your superpowers? Is to, is to approach the world and give people your passion and smile and educate so how, how do you how do you tackle those situations where you perceive that there's a confusion so what what, what advice would you give people how to approach you or how would you approach people
1: I think smiling is a huge thing uh, I think it goes such a long way because it just breaks down barriers and it, and it shows people that you're confident and you're happy in yourself and I think it's such a big thing you, there's a lot of trans activists about that um a lot of them are very angry and and you know I, and they're, they're fighting a good cause but i think a lot of the time they end up damaging the cause because they turn people off it whereas i think if you can actually just bring them along and, and uh, you know, acknowledge that, that that they're struggling to get their heads around it but then help them with it and and actually just show well you know I, i'm not somebody to be afraid of i'm not somebody to be pitted um be happy for me because I'm happy. I'm happy in my own skin. I'm happier now than, than I've ever been. Yeah. Okay. There's lots of struggles going on. And yeah, yeah, we know that it's not an easy journey being trans by any means, but in myself, because I'm living my truth, it feels amazing, absolutely amazing. And, 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 I, and I, and so I've lost count of the number of people who've told me I look so much happier now than, than I did before. And, mm. and it, and I'm not surprised because I feel happy, right? and so I think I think that that's the main thing. Because if you can if you can just smile and be happy, and uh, and yeah, that that just breaks down those barriers. And I think you can bring people bring people with you, definitely.
0: Yeah, but that, that's I recognise that is quite a privilege. Uh, I I am privileged to the fact that I can smile, I can be happy. Mm-hmm. My lived experience is very positive, but yeah. well, we all know that not everybody has the same. Um, reason to be happy if one of a better way no. maybe maybe they they're, they're really struggling with their income really struggling with their, their work maybe they're getting bullied
2: mm-hmm.
0: maybe maybe they've been put into a point where they no longer have faith in society so we, we've had a very positive experience and I think yeah. we shouldn't undermine or, or minimise the experience had by others which which is sometimes no. where absolutely their frustration overflows because of the microaggressions, the drip, 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 the, every time they go out uh, yeah. and, and, and the environment they're in. And, and I think that, that is, some, that is a, a struggle that a lot of people have and, and we're lucky not to have that, I guess.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think because of the sort of work that we're both doing and that we're both very much out. I mean, neither of us could be more out if we tried, let's face it, could we really? Yeah. Out, yeah. Out. Out, out. <laughs> out, 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 <laughs> out. Yeah. I mean, short of putting it on a massive, great big billboard, you yeah. Um, so I think we're very lucky in the fact that because we've approached it like that. I think it's come back at us. And so, so, so it, it sort of solved the, the, any problem. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people, you know, are much more shy and, um, and and they do have a tough time with it and I think a lot of it is that they put a lot so much pressure on themselves um uh, with it, whereas you know, they they needn't do, but it's just I think it's just getting across to them that it really is okay to be trans and, and that mm. the world will accept them as being trans. Not everybody. Some people won't. Well you know, I mean, you know, I've I've lost friends some friends through it and I've lost some family through it as well. Got a lot of family through it. But you know, still the majority of people are absolutely fine with it. And I think that's one of the, that was the one big worries. I just didn't know whether people would be okay with it. But certainly in the main, I found that most people are, and it's just a case of just trying to sort of get that into your head that, yeah, most people are going to be okay with it. Hmm. Or the
0: ones that aren't, they just disappear from your life often. You don't see them
1: yeah well I think that's it It's situations like this when you you learn who your true friends are um it's a it's a very effective way of finding it It's quite an extreme yeah. way of finding out who your friends are but but it's very effective um you know certainly some people who I previously thought were friends turned out not to be um but then others who i didn't realized they were such good friends and actually been really, really supportive and fantastic and think, wow, and they've actually become better friends. And plus, so as well as those, I've also gained a whole load of new friends who I wouldn't have met had, had I not been transitioned. My world has just opened up so much and, and, you know, it's just, it's been incredible actually. And, and, um, well, yeah, I mean, you're 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 one of them. You're yeah, one yeah, of the we're, right. we're, we're,
0: Yeah, we're I've got I've movement. got thousands of new friends I never had three years ago, and I um, I, I, I travel around the world. I, I meet new people every time. You know, every, every time mm. I go and speak at a conference, I'm generally meeting two hundred, three hundred new people for the first time every time. And yeah. um, so, yeah, it's I'm constantly outing myself, if you like, or being open about who I am. Mm. Um, yeah, until, until you said there um, about um, uh, God. My mind's gone blank. What was I thinking about? What were we talking about? We're talking about... uh,
1: About constantly outing yourself? Constantly outing yourself, yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, God, my
0: mind's mind's frazzled. Uh, (laughs) The the other thing I was going to talk to you about is people often say to me, is it... The elder, older generation is it, or is it the younger generation? Is it, uh, uh, in my experience, it, it doesn't matter whether you're old, young, middle-aged, or or whatever age you are. It's not about your age often. It's about your socialisation, your social groups, the people you hang around with. Uh, and I mm-hmm. I couldn't say yeah. it's, it's there's more older people struggle or more younger people struggle. It's kind of like this cross section of, of 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 who you are rather mm-hmm. than your age.
1: Yeah, um, I think there are, there are some sections of society who do struggle with it more, though. I think certainly generally I've found that the younger generation tend to be much more accepting. No, mm. I think generally they tend to be, Whereas I think the older generation, if you, if you look about it, I mean, like, like I'm, a, I'm, 50 now. And so when I was, when I was growing up as a child in, in the 70s, um, you know, if someone was gay, that, that was a scandal. It was a huge yeah. scandal. No one ever spoke about trans issues then. Um, so if you think you take it back a generation, so people even older than that, they, you know, you can see why they would struggle with it. It's, it's just been in their culture and their education, the way they've been brought up and, and, and older people generally find change more difficult than younger people anyway. So uh, you, you can understand why older people would find, yeah. but then I've, uh, I know quite a lot of older people who are absolutely fine with it, so you, you can't generalize. Yeah. No, you can't. It's I have, difficult, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I have sort of, sort of found that, um, and also I think religion, I think, is a big win. I think people who are very strongly religious—I um, mean, I lost my sister through it. My sister's a, a very evangelical, born again Christian, and she just doesn't want to know me. Um, and, and my mum's still struggling with it as well. And I think a lot of that is, is uh, religious reasons as well. Um,
0: you see, I wouldn't even go as far as to say it's, it's, it's about religion. I, I mean, some of my great friends are what well, they would class themselves as devout Christians. they got, I've got some great friends who would class themselves as devout Muslim and people of the Jewish faith, um, mm-hmm. Jew, uh, devout agnostic. Um, sat- Satanists and spaghetti mm. monsterists, you know. So I've, I've got people yeah. in my in my network of my friends who I would class as being of all religions, yeah. And they're almost ashamed of their of the dogma sometimes from their religion that what? they're embarrassed to be part of that religion, even though they're yeah. loyal to, loyal and faithful to it. And it's yeah. so I don't think we can ever no. say that it's all no. people or religions to blame. No,
1: oh no, it's not. The it's people, not it's, it? I think it's. People using their religion uh, to, you know, to to they're they're, bl- bl- they're blaming their bigotry on their religion. I think that's what it is that they're mm-hmm. u- they're using the religion as a as a tool, uh, you know, to to, Hide, to hiding behind it, or weaponizing, they're hiding it. behind right. it. Because they're they're, they're bigots, whatever. You know, they're bigots and they're prejudiced, and that's it. But there's, the, the 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 reason they're giving for for being how they are and having the beliefs they are is the religion. Yeah. You know, so, they're, but they're just. Yeah, because I know. Yeah, it's funny because, it, and I know people who are who are born again Christians. You yeah, know, the same as my sister, and yet they're absolutely fine. They're absolutely fine with me, and and they've got no problem at all. Um, but but there you go. That's <laughs> I, I remember what I was going to say to
0: you just now. It's coming back of in it. my head. So it's interesting when you said about some people don't accept, mm. and what I I found is I've I've had a a, a very large group of friends. Um, around the country, but mainly in, in, a, in a clique in a group, and a couple of that people in that group made it very. They were very vocal about what they thought. Mainly in a sort, of, they thought it's funny, humorous, disrespectful, all of those sort of things. And what surprised me was the people who were my closest friends in that group. I thought they understood what being an ally meant. But to me, it's very difficult to be friends with someone who's friends with someone who treats you in that way. And I almost mm-hmm. wanted my friends to, say, to advocate for me and say, actually, uh, you shouldn't say that about Joe. You know, we, we've got to sort this out. You, you, you know, where does the circle of trust lie? And what I found out was easier to be outside of the circle of trust in my own circle of trust than than knowing that I'm talking to people who are able to harbor somebody with those views. Mm. And so I, I cut myself off for a lot of people in that circle. Mm. I cut them off and I didn't keep in contact with them because I know that they were supporting the person who had those nasty views. And, and I found that very difficult to deal with.
1: Yeah. And I think that, that is what an ally and what a true ally does is stick up for it when they hear that. I'm mean, not, I, I had, I, had, um, I went to um, a black tie um, reception just before Christmas and um I was, you know, fairly well known in, in the group there. And, but there's, there was, there's there a, there's a chap that was, was there who, who, um, was talking to another man and he, what this first one pointed me out and said, Oh, you know who that is? Yeah. See, see that woman over there? Yeah. She used to be Martin Neves. You know, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 but, and oh, I don't get it at all. And, and, and there's there been quite disparaging about me, but she was actually talking to somebody who was a real trans ally and, and and he was he he watched quite a lot of my vlogs and everything and stuff the stuff that I've been putting out on social media and so that had educated him and he said, Well actually there's a lot more to it than you're just thinking now and he he just then explained to him, to this other guy. And I thought it was brilliant. And I didn't know this conversation was going on at all. It was only after the event that he actually told me that, that what had happened. Mm. And I thought, wow, good on him. That is what a true ally does. It really is. It's, yeah. it's not just about being friends with that person. It is about sticking up for them when they can't stick up for themselves. Completely. So I think we've been we're yakking on for an hour
0: now. We've had a great conversation. <laughs> is there anything you'd like to sort of kind of summarise up? You know, what, any top tips for? engage in uh, small businesses or, or you know not not necessarily uh, in trans specifically but yeah you know, top tip for as a small business owner what you've learned
1: in terms of dni yeah i i think um i think in terms of top tips for for other businesses um i think be very aware of of um of people who 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 are different to everybody else, whether it's trans or, or race or whatever, or disability, I think just be very aware of their sensibilities. And also with something like um, someone coming out as being trans, you may already have someone who's trans in your workforce, but you just don't know it, and they just haven't come out yet. And the reason they haven't come out may be because you haven't got a very inclusive atmosphere in in, in you know, within the workforce and so um, you're making it that much harder for them and so you know if you think of yourself as a good employer, then it's much better to actually get some 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 training some dNI training in um, just to to create a better atmosphere just to make it easier so that if someone does feel the urge to come out. It just makes it so much easier for them, and then it allows them to bring their whole self to work, and you'll get a get a much better worker out of them because they'll be so much more effective, and they'll be happier, and they're more likely to stay with you, and you won't have to spend money on recruiting new people. So that's 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 my top tips for
0: employers. <laughs> Fantastic. There's a there's a really great bit of advice, and I'm sure there's things that everyone could do to be more open and be more accepting of people, and and not wanting to pass judgment. Yeah. So, Thank you, Katie. Thank you for uh, Mm -hmm. giving up some of your afternoon. Uh, Thank you for this really great little chat we've had. I've really enjoyed the Mm -hmm. conversation. I've learned some things about you today that even though I know you quite well, we've talked about things that I didn't know about you before. And to our listeners, well, thank you for listening. Uh, Please do subscribe. and Click on the link below. Uh, You can keep updated with future episodes of the Inclusion Bytes podcast. That's Bytes, B-I-T-E-S. I have a number of exciting guests lined up. That I'm sure you will be inspired by over the next few weeks and months. And if remember, if you'd like to be a guest, then please do let me know. So, my name is Joanne Lockwood. So, Joe.lockwood at cchangehappen.co.uk. I welcome your feedback and suggestions and how we can improve the show. It's been a pleasure. See you soon. Bye.